I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Maren Lovey Wright Kerr. She is the current Youth Poet Laureate for Baltimore, Maryland. And at age 17, she is the youngest person to hold this title. She was also recently named a National Youth Poet Ambassador, representing the Northeast region of the United States. She is a Grand Slam champion, and it's her third year on the Baltimore City Youth Poetry Team. Uh, She's a graduate, proud alumni of Do More, Baltimore's Maya Baraka Summer Writing Institute, where she's now a teaching assistant. She recently started a open mic there in Baltimore for youth called Salt Pepper Ketchup. So if you're in the Baltimore area, you might want to look that up and find out what's happening there. So I'm really glad you could be here, Maren, and looking forward to your poetry. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, you're only 17, and this is your third year on the uh, poetry team. So you must have got a really early start. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, um, hmm... Like, I've been, like, doing poetry for a very long time because, like, my mom is, like, a spoken word artist. She's a singer. She actually has a book out right now, and she sort of always, like, pressed me to do it from a very young age. So um, I, like, saw the 2016 um, Baltimore team win um, the the International Slam Brave New Voices, and I was like, ooh, I want to do that. And so um, I did, and it's amazing. I really love it. Do you travel with the team, or do you mostly uh, perform around around Baltimore in the local area? Um, we have a lot of performances in Baltimore, but like for that um, slam, it's in a different place every year. So like the first year we went to um, California, the second year we went to Houston, Texas, and then this un- incoming year we'll be in Las Vegas. And what's the uh, summer institute about that you're involved with? Oh, so um, that's actually another thing that my mom, like, founded. So basically, it's taking the writing and practices of both Maya Angelou and Amiri Baraka and combining them in one. And it's basically like a summer program to um, that gets youth paid to learn to write poetry and learn to be, like, what, um, what people I do more call an archivist, which is, like, an artist and an activist in one. It's about um, five weeks. Well, uh, why don't we uh, hear your first poem? Oh, sure. Um, All right, so this one is called um, Pig Latin. E way, on day, ever yay, et gay, irte, of yay, edding gay, away yay, ithway, erdame. Translation. We don't ever get tired of getting away with murder. Enteoche, ten shots. Yang bay, yang bay, yang bay, yang bay, yang bang, 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 bang. In 2012, a farmer was eaten by his pigs after falling into their enclosure. By the time anyone came looking for him, only his dentures were left. You might call us Ixpay, but you're the ones in the pen. We not cops, we chefs. We just make that bacon, just bacon, like we protect and serve the public, just to serve the public. On a silver platter, it's only fair. If you can throw a pigskin, we're entitled to catch. Bodies, our taste is specific. We are protein serving as our protein serving. We like red meat meeting concrete. It's not even rare anymore because we still get a well done on the report. You might call us Ixpay, but we are not responsible. 
after all. All we do is raise the stakes. You're the ones raising the stakes. All we do is turn Mondamin and Coppin's block into a chopping block, into a butchery. See how much we can get away with. You will still turn your head away when we eat whole cities alive. Raw food diets are always good for our system. You might call us Ixpay. But while you all whine, we find dine. You can follow our orders, or you can become our orders. You can try to make a door dash, but you can still be delivered on your front porch. So where would you like to be hunted down? In your hood? Or just wearing one? We like dark meat falling off the bone. Jive turkeys have never tasted so good a city. It's never been so delicious. It's never been so ripe for the picking. We omnivores like to peel the skin off strange fruit. You might call this eggs pay. But we be both chef and cereal killer. Because the most important meal is always in the morning. <sighs> Do you smell it? Young blood bloodied young. Bowels released after death like a nigga's lease after an eviction notice. Do you see it? Black Baltimore children coming home from school. We call them fast food because they sure can run. Just never for office. Do you hear it? When we pack this heat to boil them alive, they scream. They screech just like Maryland crabs. This ain't no seasoning. This is just our cuffing season. Their old bays watch them become new corpses. You might call us Ixpay, but we don't pay for anything. We can eat as long as we want to. If you niggas want beef, that's a big mistake. Pig Latin is the new language of love, of food. And if you don't speak our language, you don't deserve to use your words at all. You might think us getting away with this is impossible. But us cops already have helicopters. Meaning, pigs have already begun to fly. And we're still hungry. Thank you. Oh, yes. That's a, a really interesting poem. How, how uh, for you, how does a poem like that start when you when you want to write a poem? So basically, I was like walking down the street. I was on my way to like practice for the team, and I walked past this police car, and it was like the most stereotypical image of the police you could imagine. Like they had like the donuts and the coffee, and they were just like laughing and talking together, but I couldn't hear what they were saying, and I was like. That's interesting. It's like pig Latin because like like cops and pigs. But um yeah, that whole like idea transformed into the idea of them like eating our city alive because they're basically like taking all the children and like basically making them food for America. And um yeah, I quite like how it turned out, but yeah. There are nice specific interesting things in that poem like Pigs can fly, and uh, I think Angbe, 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 also just just really works. That repetition there. Uh, do you often, uh, let's say, write about social issues, or usually? I do have a lot of poems like that, but it is a mix. I tend to just write about like the things that. I mean, I think about it like it's not hmm, it's not a very like complicated process for me. I'll usually like see something in my like normal everyday world and I'll be like, hmm, I want to write about this, like what ideas can develop from this like just snapshot of something that I see. So I write about like a lot of like social issues, a lot of like issues that are um, that teens have to confront because I'm a teenager, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm a young black woman. So like, 
there are a lot of things that I have to think about to live and survive. So I usually just write about those things. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you write from your life and well, that's what poets do. Let's let's hear another poem. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, this one is like um, another topic. This one's called Love Handles. Um, I'll just get right into it. <laughs> Growing up ugly, like me, you begin to turn any compliment into an irrational equation, equating to a lie. Can't co-sign something nice about yourself without going off on a tangent in your own head. A surefire sign that self-doubt grows like trigonometry. If you divide every flaw out, there's barely a remainder to factor back in and add. The gap between my top and bottom teeth, too. A little extra baby fat minus the amount of eyebrow hairs that I should have, and you'll find me. Parallel to the mirror, with a negative expression. Thinking I must be an obtuse girl before I ever think I'll be a cute one. I thought I could make up for my lack of makeup at lunch. How many times tables became parentheses around the world I wanted to live in. I was trapped next to an inequality symbol. Ironically, the only things I was secure about were my insecurities growing up ugly. There was no point in talking to someone shaped like a circle. So I tried being the funny one. Like, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. But what do you do when you think you look like you, eight, seven, and eight, to eighth grade me? Pi was always infinite. Pi was always nearby. When nobody else was, ain't it funny that love can't handle love handles? Like, there's not enough space. Like, too many numbers trying to fit inside the screen on a calculator. Or a scale, how am I supposed to grow healthily when my body felt like it was made from square roots? So I square up with my insecurities until they're equivalent to zero. So I remember that I am an obtuse angle and angles are measured in degrees. And obtuse ones like me are higher than 90 degrees. So, I mean, I must be hot, right? I was never fair in height, but at least I'm high in Fahrenheit, higher than 90 degrees. You'll find me parallel to the mirror with a positive expression, staring at the asymptote on that cute-ass mother function. Let me be irrationally hot. Let me make a calculator overheat in my hands. Love can't handle love handles, right? So it's a good thing I can. Thank you. <laughs> You're pretty funny. You know, you got a lot of, a lot of good little things in there, like uh, being obtuse and being acute, and uh, the Fahrenheit mother function. Um, this is really a, a really interesting poem with lots of wordplay, uh, along with the ideas of it. You know, uh, do you ever uh, use this poem uh, in a slam? I've actually never slammed with that one, but I feel like I could if I wanted to. I usually just, I mean, since it's like more comedic. I usually use it like when I do features and it's also going to like yeah. go in my book when I have my book. So, yeah. Yeah. Dropping in the funny ones uh, among the issues. One is a great way to build a playlist for a reading. Are there, are there a lot of venues around Baltimore these days? Mm, there are actually like even like on MLK Day <laughs> coming soon. Uh -huh. I have like I have um, two different features. I have one at 
one museum and one at another museum. So like um, a lot of times like um, I'll perform at events at like the Reginald F. Lewis Museum. Um, there's this place called Impact Hub Baltimore, which is where like Dumore's like offices are. And so like we hold a lot of events there. Um, yeah. And like a lot of times like I'll go in schools and perform for like their clubs. Just like anywhere anybody needs me, I'll come and perform. Oh, sure. Oh, when did you start that open mic that you got going? Hmm, well, I mean, it's not just me. It's like a no. collaborative effort between like hmm, pretty much the entire like 2018 um, youth slam team. Um, we started that in oh, the first the first one was November 9th and there will be one like every month. Mm-hmm. And basically it's like a by youth for youth whole deal. So like um yeah we like get a feature there's a workshop in the beginning and then like any youth artists that want to like come and showcase their work and make connections and network they can come and do just that and it's completely free so like we want to make it accessible to everyone it's really so good that you're a part of that you know some poets they they sit home and write their poems and submit them and i guess they're just hoping to get famous or i don't know what but it's really heartwarming it's really good to meet poets that I get to meet here on the podcast, like you, who are giving something back to the community, providing events and providing a space, a platform for other poets. It's just just really fine. And why don't we have another poem from you on this platform right now? Okay, um, this one is like mm, even shorter, but like, you know, I'll go, I'll go pretty slow. Um, this one's called Poetry and Democracy. Let a poet be president. Let the Oval Office be a soapbox. Scrub it clean for the first time ever. Because poetry trumps Trump. Standing up stanzas instead of building up walls. What is more patriotic than a pen? Leaving irreversible marks wherever it lands. Ain't that American? Red or blue ink on white paper, ain't that American? Immigrating from pocket to page, let a poet be president, and no more wars will be waged. Just spoken word turn arrow, shot from a cupid's bow to make this country know love for the first time ever. All armies armed with group pieces, instead of gunshots, just snaps, and the only fire to be found would be this poem. But... If not, let a poet be soldier. We are prepared for civil war that is anything but civil. Enough tear gas for all the tears this country has caused us. We will keep the strap on us like we used to keep journals. Let poets slam, but not each other. Thank you. That's a good solution to social problems. You know, I often think that if everyone would write poems, they just wouldn't have uh, time to do nasty things. Be much better. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I think. Like, I feel like poetry is, hmm, it's very therapeutic. Like, I have a way easier time communicating my own thoughts to others and having them understand me because I'm a poet. Because, like, when you can um, turn your pain pretty in a way, it makes people pay attention to you more. And also, hmm, I feel like using metaphors and similes compare like real world problems to other easily understandable things and makes those real world problems easier to understand 
So, yeah, I feel like if a poll were president, everything would be fixed. <laughs> or at least improved. Yeah. <laughs> I have some poetry therapist friends who would be very happy to hear what you just said. And, of course, we all know that it's true. You know, if you write the poem down, the writing helps to clarify and uh, helps you to understand and helps you to let other people understand uh, what it is you're going through or have to say. Well, we've got time for another poem, so um, how about that? Okay, yeah, I have another one I can do. This one is called um, White Boy Magic. Um, I've written an ode to the wondrous world of white boy magic. So much fantasy, it might as well be fiction in the first place, but this magic be hidden in the plainest of sight. So once upon a time, this ugly-looking, fluorescent marshmallow-looking, fetus made out of mucus looking kanye west and white face looking extra strength hefty bag looking little boy at my school love to call me nigger his hard r like a magical pirate that somehow never dies little black beard not black enough or beard enough but his words still sinking deeper in my chest until pirate ship turns submarine he's almost 17 400 years too late, I guess, for me to be offended, like the ghost of pirate ships don't still haunt the mid-Atlantic, haunt the middle of the hallway of my super white school. So, the faculty falls, Captain Hook, Line, and Sinker, and somehow, somehow, little white boy still manages to shapeshift himself back to the victim. And in an attempt to sail the seven seas of severing a friendship with your token blackie, this swashbuckling, bold, bigot boy cannot seem to grow up so I should never land on the conclusion not to compare him to Peter Pan and a pirate at the same time when he's got more magic than the two combined. It's clear that little white boy got some white boy magic on some Tinkerbell type tyranny too like he can turn Harry Topman into Harry Potter like his hair is not the only thing with the special power of not defying gravity. Because he can suspend himself in the air way before he'll ever get suspended from my school. Like making a prison sentence shrink in the blink of an eye. Like becoming invisible to corner store employees. Or airport security. Or, you know, the police. Like somehow apparating to a top university before affirmative action like with a wave of a wand, he can just will history away. And I wonder why he even bothers to mix with muggles in the first place. Like, shouldn't you be in Narnia? Shouldn't you be at Hogwarts or something? Shouldn't you be Slytherin into Slytherin? Committing some order of the Phoenix-type crimes and whatnot? Because, I mean, continuing on as we are, Ain't no child like you gonna be the boy who lived for much longer. Tell me what is white boy wizardry to a beating from a black girl? Thank you. Whoa. I'm glad you got that in. <laughs> yeah. That adds a lot to our little time together here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so let me just say, I'm Charlie Rossiter. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature, Marin 
Lovey Riker from Baltimore, Maryland, the Youth Poet Laureate of Baltimore, Maryland. All right. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. And now I'd like to take a look at a relatively new book from Lynn Sharon Schwartz called No Way Out But Through. It's from U of Pittsburgh Press. Uh, Ms. Schwartz is mostly known, I believe, as a novelist. She's written 23 books. And among her novels are Disturbances in the Field, Leaving Brooklyn, and Rough Strife, which was a finalist for the National Book Award. She's done lots of other writing as well, but we're going to focus on the poetry here. And she is, if you read her novels, you'll know she is an expert at human relationships. And so I'm going to read some poems from, a couple of poems from the book to give you a flavor of the book. And they have to do with uh, people who are close to the speaker. These first two have to do with a sister who has very serious health problems. Reduced. They gouged your mouth out, carved it up like meat, but left the brain intact. You know it all. Did the surgeon's knife weep as it sliced the roots of teeth and cankered rot of tender tissue? They can't restore your fine-tuned power of speech, but your hollowed-out ears hear. Your blind eyes see the wind lifting the leaves beyond your window. Oh, what will make you rise from your forever chair and swim again? Loping from the lake, your velveteen bathing suit, your burnished hair, your movie star smile. In love with life, drops spraying. On screen, you lope toward the camera. Bound across the tennis court, pedal on the tandem bike, skim over ice, all the things you taught me how to do. You were the big sister. Now I simply stroke your hands. The opening of that poem is so visceral I was hesitant to read it, but it's, it's also part of why it's such a good poem. And this next poem, the next page of the book, and it is the title poem, No Way Out But Through. I know I have to die, but not today. My sister's joke, her every morning mantra, when she was old, before the thorn took hold. When we find people dead in their bed, we say at least it was easy. They died in their sleep. For all we know, they were wide awake, gasping, rasping, panicky, choking, alone. Why call for help? Nothing can stop it. Only let it be quick and quickly done. In wretched times, we say this too shall pass. But how to get through now? How to leap over to a future or to none? No way out but through. You have to live it. You have to live it. Later, her mantra changed. I know I have to die. So let it be today. I'm presenting the poetry of Lynn Sharon Schwartz from her book, No Way Out But Through. And just to show you that uh, she has a sense of humor and can deal with the things in a light way. Here's a poem that's uh, quite amusing. What the poets never write about love. 
the actual words murmured, not, Ah, your silken thighs, your breasts like tender hills, but shit, my zipper's stuck. My arm is getting numb. Move, please. Wait, I'll do the sleeve. No, it hooks in front, not back. Hold on a sec. I have a hair in my mouth. And move your ass. I can't breathe this way. Remember I asked you once before to cut your fingernails? That's not the end of the poem. It goes on and gets a little philosophical about how, you know, we're sharing something with the animals when we do the deed, but we do it in a different manner. If you want to know what that paragraph says, that stanza says, you'll just have to get the book, No Way Out But Through, the poetry of Lynn Sharon Schwartz. I hope you enjoyed these little excerpts. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. 